Thank you so much, John. Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, and if you don't, we always have Bibles in the row in front of you, underneath. You'll see some Bibles there if you don't have one. And I would invite you in our study of the Gospel of John. We are in John at the very end of John chapter 5 in our ongoing study. John chapter 5 and verses 41 through 47. That is the passage that we are looking at this morning. And if you're watching at home, uh, if you don't have access to a Bible, that's okay. I will, ha- I will be reading all of the scripture and some of it will be on the screen, so don't worry about that. But Jesus is in an intense discussion, conflict with the Jewish religious leaders. And in verses 41 through 47 of John 5, he says, Jesus says, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe? When you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. If you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Well, we come, as I mentioned, to the end of John chapter 5. We've spent a lot of time here because of the importance of this chapter. We began the chapter by seeing that Jesus heals an invalid. A great miracle takes place. And he heals him on the Sabbath day. And the Jewish religious leaders are furious with Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. But Jesus tells them that the reason he heals on the Sabbath is because he is God. He is equal with God because he is God. And this makes the Jewish religious leaders furious with him. And in verse 18 it says they are seeking all the more to kill him. To kill him because not only did he heal on the Sabbath day... But he claims that God is his father, making himself equal with God. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing. He is claiming to be equal with God. And we have moved through these strong, important claims of Jesus that he is God. The last two Sundays we looked at Jesus appealing to the highest authority in the universe. And that is God the Father. And God the Father testifies about the deity of Christ through three witnesses. The first witness is John the Baptist. The second witness is the miracles and works of Jesus. And the third witness is the word of God, the Holy Scriptures. Isaiah says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. In essence, the greatest witness of the Father is the witness of the Holy Scriptures, the witness of the word of God. And that brings us to where we are at this morning. And our first point is the love of God and the glory of Christ. Now, before we get into the text itself, I want to make just a few comments here. First of all, all of us, all of us would do well 
to master John chapter 5. It is that important. As I shared with you last week, one writer said that John chapter 5 may be the most difficult chapter in the New Testament, and it is also the most important chapter in the New Testament because of its strong claims about the equality of Jesus with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, especially God the Father, that Jesus is God of very God. You see, the last half of John chapter 5 is the gospel. It is. Jesus is eternal life. I have shared with you repeatedly that Jesus is the source of eternal life, and we can shorten that and say Jesus is eternal life. Eternal life is Jesus Christ. The gospel of John, if we look at it in its entirety, has been called the gospel of belief or the gospel of eternal life. John said, I write these things to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, to have eternal life, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says in Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Think of that statement. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Wow. So who is the Lord Jesus Christ if he's the one that saves us? And the answer of John chapter 5 is, he is God. The Lord Jesus Christ is God himself. So you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you must believe that Jesus is God. You see, too many times, and pastors are guilty of this, and Christians are guilty of this, too many times when we share Christ with others, we focus on the benefits of salvation rather than on the source of salvation. We say things like, come to Jesus and he'll heal your marriage. Or come to Jesus and he'll help you solve your financial problems. Or come to Jesus and he'll help you get a job promotion. Or come to Jesus and you'll never be lonely again. Now don't misunderstand me. There are many benefits of the gospel, but that is not the gospel. The gospel is come to Jesus because he is God. And it was God that died for you and rose again and ascended to heaven. And is the source of eternal life. One other thing I want to mention to you before we get into the text itself is not only are we seeing the deity of Christ in this chapter, but we are seeing the strong, strong rejection of Christ by the Jewish religious leaders. And let all of us here this morning reaffirm again and understand again that people, all people, will be held accountable for rejecting Christ, for being unwilling to believe in him, for choosing not to believe. They will be held fully responsible. Every single person who rejects the gospel message of Christ, will be fully held responsible on Judgment Day. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame the environment you grew up in. You can't can't claim your bad circumstances. You can't blame the church you grew up in because they didn't do things the way they should have. No, you are responsible. Every single person is responsible for either accepting or rejecting Christ. And that brings us to our passage this morning. 
the religious leaders to whom Jesus is speaking do not love God and they refuse to glorify Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. I want to just skip over verse 41 for just a minute. We'll come back to it. But in verse 42, Jesus says this, But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Some translations have, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God within you. Jesus says to these men, I know you. Now, when Jesus says, I know you, that's not like me saying, I know you. Are you saying, I know you? I may say, I know you. But when Jesus knows you, he knows you. It takes us all the way back to John chapter 2, the very end of the chapter. It says, Jesus does not need anyone to bear witness to him about man because he knows everything that is in man. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows everything about everybody, and he says, I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Now, when he says you do not have the love of God, he is not talking about the love of God in you toward other people. Now, the grammatical structure and context here, he is referring to their love for God. You do not have love for God within you. Now, think to whom he is speaking, and how bold and how astounding this is. These are the Jewish religious leaders. These are the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law who claim to believe in God, to worship God, and to obey God. And he says, you do not love God. It is a stinging indictment against them. The love of God, your love for God is not in you. Why? Why don't they love God? Verses 43 and 44, I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Let's unpack this this morning. Let's go back to verse 41. Jesus says, I do not receive glory from people. Jesus does not need the approval of human beings. His glory comes from the Father. He does not need to validate his credentials by your belief. He is who he is because he is the self-existent, ever-living God. And his glory comes from the Father who sent him. I do not receive glory from people. And then in verse 43... He says, I have come in my Father's name. I have been sent from God. I am, this is a messianic claim, I am the long-awaited Messiah and you do not receive me. You are rejecting the very one that the Father sent into the world. And then Jesus says in the last half of verse 43, If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. I come in my Father's name and you don't receive me. But if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Now Israel has had a long history of belief in false messiahs. Some historians have counted as many as 70 false messiahs that have gained ground with the nation of Israel. It was a false messiah 
who led a whole group of people in 70 AD that led to the destruction of Jerusalem because they were following a false messiah. 60 years later, there was another uprising when they were following a false messiah. And this is important to us because this has been and will continue to be finding its culmination in the seven-year tribulation at the end of time in which the ultimate false Messiah will rise up and some in Israel will believe him and the whole world will go after him and his name is the Antichrist. And so this is their history, their belief in false messiahs. And Jesus says, if another comes in his own name, you will receive him, but I come in my Father's name and you reject me. In verse 44, he says, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? You seek glory from one another. You know what matters to you? Your own approval. You approve each other. You love each other. And the only people you honor are the people who love you and exalt you in your earthly positions. You want the love of man. You want the love of people around you. You want the praise of men. But then he says, you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Think of that. You do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Do you know what the glory that comes from the only God is? Jesus. Did you know that Jesus is the glory of God? He is. John chapter 1, verse 14, that we looked at a few months ago. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen Jesus' glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says that those who are perishing have their minds blinded and their eyes blinded and their hearts blinded. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Apostle Paul says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them, to keep them from seeing Notice what they're kept from seeing. The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. What is the glory of the gospel? What is the light of the gospel? It is the glory of Christ because he is the glory of God. He is the image of God. So Jesus says to these Jewish religious leaders, you don't love God and you do not give glory to me the long-awaited Messiah, the one who comes from God and has the full approval of God. Well, that brings us to our second point this morning, and that is Moses. The religious leaders to whom Jesus is speaking to do not believe the writings of Moses. They don't love God. They don't give glory to Christ. They don't believe the writings of Moses. Now, I want to try to impress upon you that this might be Jesus' greatest accusation against them of all. 
for him to say that you don't believe the writings of Moses was about as cutting as it could possibly be. If you wanted to make those Jewish religious leaders furious and angry, tell them that they don't believe the writings of Moses. Let me give you a little background. The Jewish religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, prided themselves in their knowledge of Moses. Moses was their guy. Moses was the messenger of God. They believed in the writings of Moses. They held to the writings of Moses or claimed that they did. In Historically, the Old Testament has been divided into three parts. The Law of Moses, or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. Then there are the prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets. Then there are the other writings of the Old Testament, known as the Holy Writings, all the other books of the Old Testament, also known as the Hagiographa. That's what it was called, those other writings, those other books of the Old Testament. So it was the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Holy Writings. But the Jewish religious leaders held so strongly to Moses that they had a cryptic term for the whole thing. They just called the whole Old Testament the Law of Moses, and sometimes they just called it Moses. The whole Testament, Moses. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 2, Jesus says the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. He said, know this about the scribes and Pharisees. They claim to sit in the seat of Moses today. In John chapter 9, Jesus, which we'll look at in a few months, but in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a, a blind man, gives him sight, And this blind man is confronted by the religious leaders and they say, who healed you? And he tells them. And then they call him back a second time and they said, who healed you? And he says, why are you asking me again? I already told you. Do you want to become one of his disciples? Oh, did that make them angry? Oh my. John 9, verses 28 and 29. And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple. Now watch this. But we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Notice that. We are disciples of Moses. Now, watch verse 45. Jesus says to them, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Imagine that. He says to these Jewish religious leaders, when you stand at the judgment seat of God, you know who's going to be the prosecuting attorney against you? Moses. Moses. And then he says in verses 46 and 47, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, you, how will you believe my words? 
If you believed Moses, you would believe me because Moses wrote about me. I want you to think about that. If we think of Jesus' earthly life, 33 years, the last three years being his primary earthly ministry, if we think of those 33 years, have you ever thought the only Bible that Jesus ever read during that time was the Old Testament? They didn't have a New Testament. It's the only Bible that he ever read. Remember what I shared with you last week. I shared a quote from William Hendrickson, a great Bible scholar, who said the key, the key to to unlocking the mysteries, the key to unlocking the mysteries of the Old Testament is seeing Christ all over the Old Testament, is seeing that Christ is all over the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there is what we call typology, all kinds of types, of stories, of accounts, of individuals who are like Christ, who point us to Christ. Let me give you some examples. The water that came from the rock that was struck is a clear indication of Christ. Christ is the water from the rock. The manna in the wilderness that the Israelites ate, points to the bread of life, the ultimate bread of life. We think of the Passover, the pillar of fire, all of the articles in the Old Testament tabernacle, the entire Levitical sacrificial system points to Christ and to an ultimate sacrifice. The serpent lifted up in the wilderness. And then there were individuals who are types of Christ, Help us to look forward to what Messiah will be. Adam, Melchizedek, Joshua, David, Solomon, and others. The books of Moses are full of Christ-centered types. Jesus himself refers in the Gospels, in the Gospels, Jesus himself refers to 20 Old Testament persons and quotes from 19 Old Testament books. There are 312, 312 Old Testament passages quoted specifically in the New Testament. There are 530 references to the Old Testament in the New Testament. There are 50 references to the Old Testament in the book of Romans alone. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen preaches one of the greatest sermons ever preached. And it's almost entirely from the Old Testament. You ever thought that the apostles and the early gospel preachers preached Christ and salvation from the Old Testament? And Jesus says in verses 46 and 47 again, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. Why? For he wrote of me. He wrote of me. It's all over the books of Moses. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Then in verse, go back up to verse 40 from last week. Yet you refuse to come to me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. They did not love God. They would not glorify Christ. 
and they did not believe the writings of Moses, the very writings that they said they held to. They glorified themselves. They loved themselves. And they had become their own authority. Their traditions, man-made writings, rules, and rituals had become more important than the word of God, and so they became their own authority. But as we close this morning, I want you to think of something with me. John chapter 5 is not only about the unbelief of the Jewish religious leaders. It is also about the unbelief of all who reject Christ. Every person who rejects the gospel, every person who refuses to come to Christ, has these same character traits. And that's why I shared with you at the beginning of this message that every person who refuses to come to Christ, who rejects Christ, who is unwilling to come to Christ, is fully accountable and will be held fully responsible in the final judgment. They're just like. They're just like these Jewish religious leaders. They only glorify themselves. They want the approval of other people. That means everything to them. They love themselves. And they have become their own final authority. Think about it. When you share Christ, or you talk to someone about Christ and they want nothing to do with him, think of what they say. I don't believe there is a God. I'm a finite, sinful human being who can't see beyond the end of his nose, but I'm telling you there is no God. I don't believe Jesus is God. I'll never believe that. He, he, he lived, he was a good teacher, he was a good man, but he wasn't God. The Bible's full of contradictions, they say. The Bible's just the writings of men. I don't need a Savior. I'm fine. Just like I am. They glorify their self. They love themselves. And they have become their own final authority. No one, no one is going to tell me what to do. Folks, we live in an era called the era of the autonomous self. Our final authority is me. You think about when those people say those things in rejecting Christ and rejecting the gospel, and what you will hear over and over again is me, me, me. Jesus said this. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But you must believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. It was God who died for you. It was God who was raised from the dead. It was God who ascended to heaven. It is God who invites you to come to him. Let's pray together.
Father, I pray, oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you as your children, humbling ourselves before you. Help us to see that Jesus is God, a very God. It was God dying for us in our place. It was God who was raised from the dead. It was God who ascended to heaven to provide a full and absolutely free salvation. Oh, Lord, help us to keep proclaiming the full deity of Christ and the full free gift of salvation, no matter how people respond. And thank you. Thank you that we have received and we are alive in him, in whose name we pray. Amen.